Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, O my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving us your Spirit till the work on earth is done. We confess that we cannot live the life that you long for us to live on our own, but only through the love, grace, and Spirit which you give to us so freely. So bless your word and help me to communicate well. For your name's sake. Amen. I guess the Beatitudes, actually it's quite a relief to come to church and to hear that the Beatitude that you're meant to be speaking of is the Beatitude you're meant to be speaking of, if you know what I mean. I dreaded sitting in the pew and having David say, Dave's going to speak to us about, and then it wouldn't be the right one, but it is the right one. There is no other quality of God which means as much to me as his mercy. Indeed, in God's mercy is tied up all the grace, love, and forgiveness upon which we rely as we call ourselves Christians. As we say, that I am a child of God. Without his grace, his love, and his mercy, we could not be that. There is no other religion in the world, I believe, quite like Christianity. A religion, if you want to call it that, where God takes the initiative. Where God says, no matter how good you are, you can never be good enough. No matter how far you reach, you can never reach me. But I can reach you. I can come down to you. And that's what he does. No wonder Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. For no one can come to the Father except through me. And really what Jesus was saying was, you can never be good enough. You can never do enough. But I have come to you. And I guess the Beatitudes are really Jesus saying, if you want to be truly blessed, then be like God. Now the Old Testament constantly said that. I, the Lord, am holy, so you be holy. I am merciful, so you be merciful. I am compassionate, so you be compassionate. The whole point of the parable, the whole point of the parable was that that fellow, Alonzo, we'll call him, was meant to then go out and to be so changed and, and rejoicing in his newfound freedom that he just wanted to give it to others. I think the Beatitudes are linked to the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, those nine fruit of the Spirit, which maybe come best or are more visible in our lives as we live out the Beatitudes. I had the joy of going to Israel uh, not so long ago. I went on a secular tour of Israel. And as we got off the bus at the Mount of the Beatitudes, so-called, I said to Uri, our guide, secular atheist Jew, Hey Uri, I've got the script. And I had in my hand a copy of the New Testament. And to my great joy, he says, okay, well, you've got the script, you must read it to us all. 
And that began a wonderful week for me in Israel, which I wouldn't have had had I been on one of those Christian tours. But because I had the script, Uri would say to me at every point, Gay will read to us from the script, which of course was the New Testament. And it was a really great joy. But I want you to picture the Beatitudes like this. Here is this wonderful Jewish rabbi teaching a whole bunch of Jewish people who perhaps had forgotten what they were meant to be like because they had forgotten what God was really like. So the strict life of the Jew was a matter for keeping all the, the, the laws and not just the ten commandments but the hundreds of little laws which had been added to the Torah by the scribes and the Pharisees and you only have to read the Gospels to be amazed by the number of times Jesus is criticized for not keeping the law for the number of times the disciples were criticized those who tried to follow Jesus were criticized And it was, and it still is, very difficult to keep all those laws. It becomes for some a preoccupation with self-righteousness and for others just a source of despair. And you look at the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee was so self-assured because he kept all those laws and the tax collector who couldn't even lift his eyes up to heaven. And there you have the picture, the picture of self-righteousness and despair. And Jesus said to the religious leaders, you heap burdens on people's shoulders and you do not lift a finger to help them carry them. And people who couldn't keep the laws, were simply written off. I want to just say to you that mercy is the opposite of being written off. The Bible tells us it is because of the Lord's mercy that we are not all consumed, written off, destroyed, counted of having no value. Now, when I was at Theological College with um, a famous Bible teacher called Alec Mateer, um, I took him to task one lunchtime. I'd had my quiet time, and it was a story in the New Old Testament of the man who had the audacity to gather sticks on the Sabbath. I don't know if you've read the story. Here's a man. You're not to gather sticks on the Sabbath, by the way. Gathering sticks on the Sabbath. And the Lord knocks him dead. I was incensed. That seemed to me quite out of proportion. And Alec Mateer's gentle Irish reply was, Gay, you forget that it is because of the Lord's mercy that we are not all consumed. Because, Lamentations tells us, 
His compassions do not fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. It's very easy for us to develop a warped or perverted view of who God is. I have a son-in-law, precious to me. He and his wife, my daughter, went out as missionaries to Cambodia. He has a compassion for the poor. His whole life is in the world of drug addiction. And the reason he and Elizabeth got together was because they both loved the Lord so much. But six years ago, Conrad announced that he was an atheist. That he could no longer believe in God. It was a terrible time for Elizabeth. She felt that the whole pillar of their relationship had been pulled out. Over the years, I've tried to talk to Conrad about what happened. And I, it's quite complex, but I will say one thing. He said this. I feel now free to be the person I can be. Because all the time I believed in God, it was as though God sat on my shoulder, constantly whispering in my ear, you are not good enough you're not a good father you're not a good husband you constantly get things wrong and in the end my beloved son-in-law gave up because he could not be good enough for God So three things for us to think about briefly this morning. God's mercy. God's mercy for me and my mercy for others. Let us with a gladsome mind praise the Lord for he is kind. For his mercies endure ever faithful, ever sure. We might have had that this morning but I thought the musicians might struggle with it. Or, when all thy mercies, O my God, my rising soul surveys, transported with the view, I'm lost in wonder, love, and praise. I once owned a Vespa scooter. Uh, Before I got my license, I had to ride pillion with my friend. But we used to go along the motorways at you know, just just the right amount of miles an hour to get on a motorway singing. For his mercies they endure ever faithful, ever sure. Psalm 136 says it 26 times. I don't know, if you were an Anglican, you would dread having the set psalm for the day. Psalm 136 has got 26 verses, and every verse ends... In the same way, for his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. And then the long history of Israel, for his mercy endures forever. God's mercy is like a golden thread 
through the story of Israel. There was a man called Jacob. I've been reading uh, the story of Jacob in these last few days in my quiet time. My life, there was a man who didn't deserve much mercy. What a screwed up fellow he was. I've just been in Ireland. Apparently it's all right on the radio to call everybody a scumbag. So let's call Jacob. No, I won't because that's not a nice word. But anyway, Jacob. And you know, the interesting thing about the story of Jacob and Esau is that every time you and they encounter one another, you say, there's the hero, Esau. He behaves so well. And yet Jacob was the one that God was not prepared to give up on. He was the one through whom God was going to fulfill his promises. This lying, manipulative, not very likable man. Even the 12 sons he got with one daughter in the middle, he's virtually forgotten by the way, those 12 sons were of four women. What a mess. Then he had a favorite called Joseph. But before that, something about Jacob's life really resonates with mine. There was a time, a long time ago, where I set off in my car to meet someone. Not anyone I should be going to meet. And in the mercy of God, that person did not turn up. And I got back in my car and I drove with tears flooding down my face. With one thought echoing through my head. Surely the Lord was in this place. And I didn't know it. Surely God was here in all this mess and I didn't know it. And that's what happened to Jacob. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I didn't know it. And he was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate. And in that car, through my tears, that was for me the gate of heaven. Because God in his mercy is the God who comes down to us in the messy places of our lives. And he says, I have not given up on you. I have not written you off. You are my child. I've made promises to you. I love you. And I'm going to make sure through hell or high water that the promises that I have set on you come to pass. And so I think of Conrad, I think that's true and that God will bring him back. What is God's mercy? Love that responds to human need in an unexpected or undeserved way. 
What is God's mercy? Love that responds to human need in an unexpected or undeserved way. Psalm 85.10 says, Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. On the day that you became God's child, mercy and truth met together and righteousness and peace kissed each other. That happened on the cross of Jesus. God says, I will not look on you in anger, for I am merciful, says the Lord. May I remind you who are not Anglicans, this is the Sunday next before Lent. Lent starts on Wednesday, just in case you wanted to uh, keep Lent. If we were doing an Anglican communion service, we would be saying this prayer, which is familiar to some of you. We do not presume to come to this your table, O Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord whose character, whose nature, is always to have mercy. And that's the mercy which found me and finds you if you are belonging to the Lord. In the Bible, the virtues of mercy and compassion and forgiveness are mentioned thousands, hundreds of times, especially in connection with God's nature. And instead of giving us what we deserve, he shows us unreserved mercy and compassion. And we are meant to show that to others as well. And our greatest example of this, of course, is Jesus himself. Our whole gospel is about mercy. The whole fact that Jesus did not think it necessary to remain in heaven or to stay equal with God that came down came down the Bible, one of the Psalms talks about God stooping down to earth, can you imagine that? God stooping down to earth he came down became obedient even to death on the cross and that death one, our salvation. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Judge not that ye be not judged. Also in the Sermon on the Mount, says Jesus. Why? Because judgment without mercy, says James, will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You see, forgiveness isn't effective in my life unless I learn to forgive. It's just a theological um, reality, perhaps. But God wants it to be more than that. He wants it to be practical. 
He says, Gay, you have been forgiven. Go out and forgive others. You have been shown mercy. Go out and be merciful to others. You know that car that cuts up, cuts into your path or that person who does this, this and this. There's a story behind that. Mercy is about giving people the benefit of the doubt. And Micah says this, He has told you what is good. Famous verse. He has told you what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. And Hebrews chapter 4 says this, Seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. That means let us treasure the fact that we confess Jesus as Lord. Why? Because we don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weakness. But he was in every way tempted like we are, yet without sin. He knows what it feels like. Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. You might have heard that before. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. And we need that every day. Mercy. Why do mums and dads Never give up on their children because they are their children. Stafford Prison, we have many mums and dads who have given up on their sons. But we have those who come week after week after week, even though their sons might have done despicable things. They never give up. And neither should we, because we are those who are never given up on. We are never written off if God has set his love on us and we have received his mercy and forgiveness. So be encouraged this morning no matter what you may feel about yourself, and I hope you're not like my beloved son-in-law who feels that you're always striving to please God because you might as well give up. You never can be good enough for God. But of course, why should we be people of mercy? Because we have received mercy And we are not people of mercy because we hope to gain heaven thereby. We already have it. But we are people of mercy because we are so thankful. We are so conscious. We are so profoundly aware 
that we are not worthy to gather up the crumbs under his table. But he has said, come. It's a lovely poem by uh, George, uh, not George, I've forgotten his name. Yes, who do I mean? Love bade me welcome, but my soul drew back. You know the poem, it's beautiful. Love bids us welcome this morning. And though we might be drawn back by our sense of unworthiness, yet in his mercy, God counts us worthy. So let's go out and do likewise. Amen.